Well, happy Mother's Day, everybody. I hope you love the music of today. I, I loved what we put together for you. And I hope you're having a great Mother's Day. I hope you're honoring your mom or the memory of your mom if you've lost your mom. This is a very special day. I love my mom so much. I had quite a challenge with my mom this week because I had to teach my mother how to get on a Zoom call because I wanted her to be able to wish you a happy Mother's Day. So this is our attempt at a Zoom call. You want me to turn on the light? Yeah, turn on the light, Mom. Yeah, that's better. How's that? Oh, that's better. You look beautiful. Oh, on this Mother's Day. Now, I have the three children that you had. I have an older sister and a younger brother. Do you really think that Tracy was your favorite or was it me? Or was it Jonathan, the baby of the family? Did you have a favorite? Of course, it was the baby of the family. Don't you know that the baby of the family is always the favorite? Well, don't worry, Mom. I went to counseling. I got through all that, so I'm fine. Tell us about... always the baby. You picked on him and everything, so... But tell tell everybody in the church when the last time you got a haircut was. Oh, that was pre... (laughs) pre (laughs) Coronavirus. I'm a little wild, but I've got a black market haircut set up for Monday. Oh, tell us about it. Where are you getting this black market haircut? Well, where am I getting it? Yeah. In this woman's basement. Oh. (laughs) I told her (laughs) that if she wanted to save me from picking up a pair of scissors, she must give me a haircut. And she said she would. And mom, you have have also been busy during this quarantine helping other people making some things. Tell us what you've been making. Oh, I've been making masks. I um, I have a lot of material because usually in the wintertime I make quilts. But I've been making masks. I've sent uh, several to hospice. I We have a nursing home here. I've sent made about 40 for nursing homes. I've sent them to friends and family. And... Uh, Altogether, I think I've made about 125 masks. Can you tell everybody Happy Mother's Day? Well, Happy Mother's Day. All you mothers, stay safe, wear your mask, and and don't tell your children which one's a favorite. (laughs) Well, I love you, Mom. You're so great. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day to you. Well, I love you, too. Happy... Happy Father's Day to you. Yeah, I hope to see you soon. All right. All right. Well, I love my mother so much. She is a strong woman as a single mom. She took care of three kids. I mean, just an amazing. And as I grow older and realize how difficult life is, my love and appreciation for her even grows more. So, Mom, I love you. I hope you're proud of your Zoom call. Way to go with technology. Well, this virus thing's really got us going. I remember the the first time I realized that this real disruption is going to be significant is when we went to the grocery store. Maybe you remember this. We went to the grocery store the very first time, and there was a bum rush at the store for all kinds of things. You couldn't find... um, 
Clorox, you, you couldn't find wipes, you, you couldn't find hand sanitizer, and you couldn't find toilet paper. Now, this was confusing to me because I couldn't figure out the virus was new and no toilet paper in the stores. And I was wondering, why is everybody buying toilet paper? We started buying toilet paper just because everybody else was. And I thought, oh my gosh, if I get this virus, I'm going to have a major intestinal problem. Is that what this virus is about? Of course, as time went on, I got better educated. It has nothing to do with your intestines. But what it has to do is if you're going to be quarantined, you want to make sure to have plenty of comfortable toilet paper. Well, on that grocery store run, we needed some light bulbs. That's what took us to the store because our light bulbs in our bathroom had gone out. And so we went to the light bulb aisle and there was one package of light bulbs. There was hardly anything there in one package. And there were 100 watt LED super flood light bulbs that we had to buy because we didn't want our bathroom to be dark. And so we went home and we installed those into the fixtures. And when they came on, it was like a prison break, man. There was so much light in the bathroom, which is not what you want. In fact, if you have to use the bathroom at my house, you're going to need your sunglasses. And I realized at that moment that this whole disruption of the virus is going to be a lot like Cuba for a while. Very few choices. People having to make do with what they have. And, and you know what? There's this, this idea, no longer do we get to make decisions based on, well, what is it that I want? Because we have to deal with what's available. So I just remember those days walking through, it's better today, but walking through the HEB or the grocery store and having less choices and less things on the shelf, it was really, really difficult. And so we have much, much less to choose from. So what we're learning in this pandemic is this, less really is more uh, in this time, that, that we don't have to have more. And so we were talking about what are the kind of life, what's the kind of life that we want to go back to when we, when we get back to normal life. And I so appreciated Ryan Leak last week challenging us not to go back to a life without margins. I loved what he had to say when he said that we tend to believe a lie that a busy life is a full life. And boy, we know that's not true. And I want to talk today a little bit about what drives much of our busyness, something that we all have in common. It's this little word right here, boom, discontentment. There is a discontentment and there has been a growing discontentment even in the wealthiest country in the world, even though most of us were doing very well before the virus hit, there is a growing discontentment. And here's what we tend to believe. We tend to believe that hustle is the key to a good life and that we are trying to fill something in our lives that I think is really a spiritual issue or an emotional issue. And we're trying to fill those issues with something material. And life just doesn't work that way. So this discontentment just drives us to a life without margin. Now, that's not true for everybody because some people deal with discontentment with self-medication or um, escapism or, or something that will minimize that low-grade ache in our souls. Uh, but the, the reality is there's this unhealthy life. Some people just basically check out. They quit, Right. So this reality of a discontentment is something that we have to deal with. It's a terrible thing that if we don't deal with it, it's going to drive us to one side or the other of an unhealthy life. And we live in a culture. Here's what I want us to all kind of come to grips with. We live in a culture that has fed us this other lie that says this, the, hap the key to happiness is more 
more. This is such a destructive idea. So the thing I don't want to go back to is being discontent. Really, here's what I, here's what I really don't want to go back to. I don't want to go back to a life where I have to have more, where I'm wanting more. I want to be happy with less. I want to be happy with a simple life. Now, a few weeks ago, I read a passage from the book of Philippians. Paul wrote this letter to this church in Philippi, and he was, I think he was in house arrest at this time, and he wrote this. Now, I read this a couple weeks ago, but I want to go back to it today because I think it's really, really important. It says this. Paul says, I'm not saying this as he's writing them. I'm not saying this because I have a need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned, there's that word again, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now, and now here's the bumper sticker verse that we all see and we misapply it so often. So he's talking about being content and then he's talking about learning to be content and then he hits us with this famous passage that says, I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all this through Christ who gives us strength. So here's what I wanna talk about today. I think this is a perfect Mother's Day idea is this idea of not having to go back to a life wanting more. Here's, if you're going to be content, here's three things I want to share with you. One, Paul tells us that being content is a learned skill. Now, it's true. Some people are more easy to get along with than others. And there are, it's true that some people are more high maintenance than others. And the fact is, in most relationships, somebody that would be considered high maintenance ends up falling in love with somebody that's more easy to get along with. And I think that's Logical, maybe that's God's plan because the idea here is that if a high, two high-maintenance people uh, marry, it, it's, it's just no good. And so you have to identify who the high-maintenance person is in your relationship. For me, it's me. I'm high-maintenance. I'm particular. Uh, Lisa is so laid back. Lisa goes with the flow. She's so easy to get along with. Now, she has her problems, but I can't talk about them on this Mother's Day, right? And so the ideal here is that this is a learned skill. Every single one of us has to learn to be content. So the question is, are you signing up for the class? Or are you just hanging on white knuckling and waiting to get back for more, 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 more? To get into, to do more, to have more, to achieve more. This is a learned skill. This is something we have to learn. This doesn't come naturally to any of us. Now, this doesn't mean you sacrifice your ambition or follow God into the next level of being effective or productive, but this is more about your willingness to be teachable than just grabbing a hold of the culture's idea of what works and what makes life work. And you grab a hold of a different definition like the Apostle Paul. Paul's talking about not, not just upgrading his life. He learned how to be content while he was hungry, as well as when he was well-fed. So this is a learned skill. I don't know about you, but 
I need all my circumstances to kind of come together. I, I like the temperature a certain way. I, li- I like a car a certain level of cleanliness. I, I like my house to be clean. I, li- I have all these circumstances that kind of are a recipe for a good, happy, peaceful life for me. And, and the reality is we can't control all of our circumstances. So are you signing up to learn how to be content. Here's the second thing I want to share with you. It's not only a learned skill, but contentment is about, it's not about more. It's not about more at all. That, that you can have more and more and more and more. And it's not going to satisfy this thing in your soul. Lisa and I started a remodeling project of all things in January before we heard anything about the COVID-19 virus. We got committed to this remodel. And so we had to move out of our house. And so we, we have this little bitty apartment in the back of our garage. It's about 250 square feet. It has a bathroom. It has a bed. And it has a television, okay? And then in the garage, we have a refrigerator and a washer and dryer, but it is b- very basic. We have a grill outside, a fire pit, and a side burner. So that became our kitchen. And we've been living in there for about three months now. And uh, it's surprising how simple life has become. We love this so much more, this simple setting. I finally understand what HGTV is running these tiny houses. I go, how could anybody live in a tiny house? And I realize I'm living in a tiny house and it ain't bad. It ain't bad. And what we realize is we do with what we got and we're happy with what we have. And it makes us so much more appreciative of all the other things, but we don't have to have them. And Lisa and I are talking about much more about keeping an open hand in what God gives us. So moms on this Mother's Day, let me give you just a little bit of parenting advice from the mistakes that we've made. Listen, here's the lesson to teach your kids, that they don't have to have everything. Uh, More's not the answer. The best lesson you can teach your kids is about being content, about not needing more. We often feel the pressure of parents to give our kids the things they want, but it's a trap. It's a trap. Your kids, like my kids, are a black hole of need, and and there's never going to be enough to satisfy them. There's always going to be more. And somewhere along the line, and I've made this mistake, we, we put the report card of our parenting onto the responsibility of our children being happy. And they want more. And we want to give our kids more. And I'm not talking about you know, withholding from your kids or not rewarding your kids or, or not blessing your children. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying your children are going to come to you, especially as they get in those middle school and high school years and even earlier, that they want more and more and more. And this often just leads to a sense of entitlement. They, we, we're teaching our kids, and this is the mistake I made, that a lifestyle is more important than the life that God has for them. And a lifestyle, a certain standard of living is the only thing that's going to make you happy. And we give them a sense that life isn't good until they get what they want. And so we, we have to be able to teach our children. We have to teach our children they don't get everything they want. You can't always get what you want. Wait a minute. Is that, is that a stone song? See? So you got to teach them. So you, moms, dads, you got to be able to say, no. You're not getting that. I don't care if everybody else has it. That's not what you need. You're not, save your money, get a job, you know, those kind of things. Instead of just 
providing them a certain level of lifestyle. We're told in this country to dream your biggest dream and go after it. And the mistake we make is we think that, that if we get these dreams, our life will be happy. But the problem is discontentment follows us every stage of the way and it leads to emptiness. Now, if you can teach your kids to do without, it's a life skill that will transfer no matter what happens. And the truth is the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. There's seasons of plenty and there's seasons of want. So you've got to teach your children that a good, happy life isn't about more. Simplicity is really a great thing to show your children. And the third thing I would tell you about contentment is it's a spiritual issue. Because contentment is an internal thing, we have to have the faith in God to know that God gives good gifts to his children and nothing comes into my life without God's permission and God knows what I'm going through and we have to stop this comparison trap that we fall into in this country. A lot of our discontentment isn't, a, isn't about the fact that God's not giving us what we want, but we are following into these feelings of what one pastor called the feelings of err which means we have to be better and stronger and faster and richer and thinner and better lookinger. Okay, that one didn't work. But you get what I'm saying is there's always more to be had. There's always more to be done. And we start comparing ourselves. And, and, and we get this, we get a sense of value and purpose by chasing after uh, other people's dreams, other people's status in life, right? And, and, and we just keep chasing more and more and more and our discontentment will haunt us the rest of our life. We have to come to our place in our life where we say, I'm good. This is enough. God is what I need. This is a spiritual thing. So you take it out of the material realm, you deal with your emotions, right? You deal with your envy and you say, God, I want only what you want from me. So I'm gonna to learn to do without. I'm gonna to learn to appreciate what I have. So discontentment is fueled by comparison. And we have so much social media now that comparison is really part of our everyday life. And we can't help it. Envy crops up in our soul because all of a sudden we see somebody that got something or is doing something that we don't get to do and we feel entitled and we should do it and our life's not complete Maybe this is just my problem, but I think it may be yours too. And we're trying to maximize uh, our potential in life, which sounds like a great idea, but it's a trap. It can be an idol. So th this idea of comparison takes away really the spiritual nature of what God really has for us. The, most, the wisest guy in the, in the world was a guy named Solomon. And he wrote in Ecclesiastes these great words. He said this, and I saw the toil, all the toil, all toil and all achievement springing from one person's envy of another. Did you get that? So toil and all this work, <clears throat> all this achievement springs forth from another person's envy, a person's envy of another. He says, this too is meaningless. And then look what he says. He says, this is a chasing after the wind. You know what that means, chasing after wind? I've never chased after the wind, but you get the visual. Chasing after the wind means there's no finish line. There's no winner. There's no peace. There's no satisfaction. There's dissatisfaction. And you're wanting more because you feel like you can catch it because you're chasing after the wind. You can't catch the wind. 
So Solomon is telling us, man, all this envy of another person, all this comparison, it's robbing you of something God wants for you. Here's what he goes on to say. He says, better one handful of tranquility, which means satisfaction, better one handful of tranquility than two handfuls of chasing after the wind. One handful of tranquility, satisfaction. And it's this idea of saying, listen, I'll just take my one handful of peace and satisfaction and contentment over more, 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 more. And we can't go back to that. Our culture is going to go back to that. There's gonna be this natural national emphasis to get back to where you were. Don't feel that pressure. What you want and what I want is God's life that he has for you. And God's gonna do you right. And God's going to do you good. And he's going to provide everything you need. And you just got to check this idea of you having to keep up with everybody else and have what everybody else has. I, I found a great quote by a guy named Jordan Peterson. He says this, compare yourself, if you have to compare yourself, compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not at, to who someone else is today. You have your own race you have your own life. You, you, you have your own, God's got his own plan for you. The only show Lisa and I have really been watching during this pandemic is The Last Dance. It's a documentary about Michael Jordan's final championship year. Now, think about Michael Jordan, all he had accomplished, six championships. Today's net worth is over $2 billion. He makes over $100 million a year this year. And this time, just on shoe endorsements. He has the fame and fortune and private jets and on and on and on. He has his own private golf course. He has houses all over the world. He's got all this that America says is what you're striving for. And I was playing golf with a friend of mine named Steve. And Steve asked me, would you trade places with Michael Jordan? Well, after watching this insider's view of his life, I said, there's no way. I would no way trade my life with Michael Jordan. He's got everything that this culture says you need to be happy, and I don't want any of it. Money can't buy tranquility. He's got two handfuls of stuff, and he's very, very in a very difficult place in life. And I'd rather have my one handful of satisfaction in my simple life. Solomon also wrote in Proverbs, he wrote, the heart of peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. So what are you really looking for? What, I, what you're really looking for and what I'm looking for is a life of purpose, a life that matters. You're not looking for a certain lifestyle. You're looking for the life God has for you. So maybe in this time, a simpler life, a beginning to learn how to be content with what you got, um, not having to buy into this trap of more and more, making this a spiritual thing. When those thoughts come into your mind, and they will, and those, that heart begins to ache for more, you begin to take that to the Father and you say, okay, God, I, I, I get it. What do you want for me to have? Bringing your desires to him. I'm not going back to always wanting more. I really don't want to go back to always wanting more. And I hope you don't too. And I want to say thank you, moms, Thank you for teaching us that what we have is enough and to appreciate what we got, to not gloss over the things that God's blessed us with today, even in this sort of time of less resources, 
so that we can say thank you to Jesus for all he's given us. So moms, thank you for leading the way. Thank you for sacrificing for your children. And thank you so much uh, for being uh, such a role model for us. And I, and I pray you are to say, we're gonna live a life of tranquility, of peace and satisfaction. And I pray that you have that on this Mother's Day. Now, if you are at a place where you haven't given your life to Jesus, I don't wanna end this without giving you that chance. So if you've come to a place, you're watching this today and you know you're caught up in this more trap and that you're not, you haven't been learning how to be content and you just want God to bless you, I wanna give you the opportunity as we close today in prayer <clears throat> to give your life to Jesus, to surrender your life, and to put your life in his hands. It starts with your confession that you need a savior. So let's close today in prayer. And if you're there and you've never given your life to Christ, I want you to do that today. Let's pray together, all right? Father in heaven, I thank you for grace and mercy that you give us everything we need in life. And we're certainly living in one of those times of less, and yet we wanna live a life of more. We, we want more tranquility, more peace, more satisfaction. And if you're there and you haven't given your life to Christ, just say this, God, forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, was buried and rose again. And I don't wanna live a life anymore for myself, trying to achieve or accomplish or have. I wanna live a life that you've given me, a, a, a sort of a life of purpose that you've provided for me, you've designed for me, and I wanna follow after you. And God, we thank you for moms and how you used moms in our life to shape us. I thank you for my mom especially and Lisa's mom, how they sacrificed and served and, and, and given our family so much to build from. We thank you, God, for all you've given us. We don't wanna go back to a life of always wanting more. We want the life that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.